podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm just My brother, Justice Raji. So it is... Uh, the, uh, the the full you know we fully into the summer and something that came to my mind was the uh, especially you know when we were younger you know being when you were young and that I have a you know a teenager who had their first not the full actually yeah, I guess yeah their first like summer first job although it's not just summer job but they also got a summer job and I was thinking about you know. First jobs and especially sort of the concept of summer jobs, you know, it's from everything from, you know, just a way to make money, <laughs> which I think was the, you know, the model or the idea when we were growing up, I feel like, or at least uh, I would see on TV was the idea that like, yeah, teenagers get a job in the summer somewhere. Not necessarily that I always experienced that. And then, you know, my first summer job that I had one, you know, was through like a program, which we'll get to in a second. So I thought maybe we could, we could start off with like because this would be the point for most. If you were you who put got you know got hooked up some kind of program, this would usually be the point by which you were actually working, right? Like you might have had where you know program started school. You know, I know some of y'all from other parts of the country where school ends like the first week of June. I grew up in New Jersey; school didn't end until almost the middle of the month of June. Yeah, that's so. A, that's that's like a new school. It, it's definitely a new school thing of like when school ends. Like, I remember that that was a very, you know, respect to all my brothers and sisters down south. That was a very southern thing when school started so early. Like, remember when school didn't start until after Labor Day? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, uh. Yeah, Messiah School start like on the seventeenth this year, Ooh. like August. Man, yeah, man. Like, I was like, "Damn, dog, it sucks to be you." <laughs> yeah, yeah, <man>. <laughs> Summer's <laughs> over, huh? Summer's over, huh? You gotta go back to school in a minute. You gotta start. You gotta like get get yourself together, Jack. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Ooh. you know, so that that's that's for sure. School definitely um, starts starts and ends earlier now. Yeah. Yeah. So I just was thinking about that for a second and, and, and wanting to shed some light or sort of the value, you know, of summer job, summer experience uh, that's productive, especially as you get older. Like my own progression as like a kid was was like summers where I go, you know, we would be with a family member or, you know, we have one year we with I guess babysitter, you know, we dropped off at, at what's name house. <laughs> we'd be over there until my mom got off work and we'd be we'd get picked up. Well, um, so it was like a couple summers though, got to go to you know, got to go to like a day camp. And then I got old enough, was like, yeah, y'all good. Y'all could just, you know, 
wing it. Figure it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you be you gonna be all right? Like, I, which is which is you know what? Just real quick, it's it's two things. It's like one thing that doesn't happen with young people anymore. Like, we don't wing nothing. Like everything is planned. Everything is structured. <laughs> where like you know, you had that idea, like that weird age in between, where like a summer camp, where you wasn't really trying to go to the summer camp no more, but you might not have been ready to work. And depending on your sports thing, and it just was like, all right, we'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> like, it's some food. Yeah. In, there's some leftovers in the refrigerator. Right. Here's, you know here's I mean? food or and or money <laughs> or and or thing you should go do. Don't let Enjoy nobody it. know you in the house that. by yourself. Right. Don't, right. And don't destroy everything. <laughs> you could go to the corner. You go to the store and get you some, you know, some ice cream or something or a fruit pot or whatever. Yeah. You know don't, 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 be, burn, you know, don't burn the house down. <laughs> Ah, so, you know, with that, I thought maybe just make it a space, a moment. Uh, and I, I start off, you know, one of my, and I may have spoken on it before, but I think it's important. Just one of my, my first, like, you know, full-time summer job, meaning, you know, where we worked like 30 hours, I think approximately 30, 32 hours a week. So we was like Monday through Friday, Friday we got off early. You know what I'm saying? And it was um, working for basically for the township, like for the school system. And it was through, you know, like a program. You had to you had to go be a means tested to, to, to get the job. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't just get the job because you, you know, because you wanted the job. So it was a bit of that. AKA like, your family couldn't make a lot of money. <laughs> you not make enough money. <laughs> means, and, means tested. And we thought that that might mean, you know, you was, as I look at it now, like definitely a, Oh, y'all must be wayward, you. You know what I'm saying? Y'all might be into stuff. You gotta make sure y'all don't be out here causing trouble all summer. So, you know, at least that's the subtext. And, um, you know, what we did was uh, basically moved furniture from, you know, for the school district. You know, it's like uh, 13 elementary schools, or high school, middle school, moving stuff. And then, you know, they ain't always have stuff for us to do. So sometimes it'd be like, yeah. We're gonna go back. We had one school that we were at, which was like the headquarters, that's where we would be. And then, all right, we got a job. We got two assignments. We're gonna do those two assignments, and depending on what's happening, we go back for lunch. And then we might just be there the rest of the afternoon because <laughs> there wasn't nothing else to do. We'd be like, y'all go play some basketball in the, in the, in the gym slash cafeteria right. area. Um, you know, we did have some days, you know, where we had a lot of work. You know, a lot of, you know, old metal chairs and that ceramic material top. I don't know what the, the tables and chairs is made out of, but, you know, that stuff wasn't always light. <laughs> and, um, you know, as it was it was a learning experience. The thing I look back at it now and always ask myself was the dude who was in charge of us, who had no sort of, you know, youth service dimension to his management of us like it wasn't no like hey man let's let's circle up young brothers talk about you know your futures like it was none of that that's new stuff, man. listen <laughs> listen man that is that is new shit man like i don't care if it's the counselors of the past it might have been the 80s it might have been this interesting space between the black power movement <laughs> and like you know now times but like the 80s was not a time unless you were at a very specific, intentional kind of place where anyone was exhibiting kind of like developmentally appropriate things for kids of a young people of how they should learn to work. It just was like, it'd be like the dude with the cigar in his mouth. Hey, what y'all doing over there? 
car. Yeah. Come over here. Fix this over here. Yeah, man. It was strictly like some Lord of the Flies shit. Some days it would be like, all right, y'all, I'm y'all be in there. You go chill in the office. <laughs> and you know, it was fights and you know what I mean. And people trying to challenge me for like, you know, I, I had a incident, uh, you know, allegedly I ain't gonna speak on it. I I I, I but I, I'll say this. Hey, just is that you said again, allegedly, yo, you said allegedly like it was the Rico ass <laughs> or with some sort of like so allegedly they say I was with the Colombians. But I say that I, 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 I because of my old demeanor, I, I was I, I, I did not I, I turned down an altercation because the person really didn't you know want to have a fight with me. But they was you know getting pumped up and and I was like you know I I, I don't try to stick to my morals. I was like you know I don't fight people that actually don't have a problem with me. I'm you know not going to do it. And uh, you know. Long, more complicated story. Just you've always been a gentleman in this. Yeah, yeah. But I just let I just want the world to know that man got a pass. I wanted to murder that person, but I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> I let it go. I said, uh, you know what? Allegedly, allegedly, I wanted to. to I, I may have went home and thought about strategies. <laughs> <laughs> Later, I said, you know what? It's all good. You just gotta let that shit go. But the. Uh, you know the, the the long and the short of it, like was though, like so the dude and the cat and the cat that would manage. Like the other thing I think about is like, like what was his job? Because you know, it definitely was like a, you know, he worked for the for the for the township of Willingboro slash the school district. You know, I have no idea what that man's job title was. I don't know if they was paying him to drive us around in the little yellow bus that he was spitting. Clearly, it was clearly it was an extra part of his his uh, job that allowed him to work all year. Yeah. And uh, gave him yeah. gave him the youth program. Yeah, but he was, you know, this was not a. Uh, it was, there was no again, no um, <laughs> developmental support component, none of that. And then we, you know, we had to get do working papers. And we had to get all our little paperwork in and stuff. I remember that. I'm trying to remember the day, but you know, outside of the money, which you know, I mean, I did actually appreciate because I made you know, I mean, what at the time for you know, a person that had no job and no income. Was like, yeah, man. I, I, didn't, I think it was it wasn't five fifteen yet, New Jersey. It may have been four or something. I don't actually remember, but you know, it was like, yeah, I'm gonna get my own sneakers. You know what I'm saying? With school year start, I'm like, I get beat, mom. I get beat no sneakers, which she did not. Just <laughs> so you better say that because she money. had your own money. That's right. Ain't <laughs> no sneakers this year. I'm like, damn, America. So. Uh, yeah, so that you know is what I say. Shout out to everybody, uh, Woodbury Township School District, uh, whoever at Mont- at Burlington where, County, where, where, that, that whoever Burlington at Burlington yeah. County put that together. My mom's yeah, old boyfriend sure. Ed who took me down. Retired. The brother that retired is probably somewhere down when the move to North Carolina. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm going back down south, man. I'm going back down south. I mean, I had nothing up here, man. The taxes, man. The taxes. <laughs> So how about you? What's up from uh, uh so so yeah, the first first summer job I had actually was um a an assistant with a summer camp. So you know it's funny as we talk about these things, I mean obviously the current realignment of frankly American economy the American economy and the work economy in America um has everything different than I think how people remember it. But for sure, um one other thing that was different was 
the federal government used to fund sports camps all across the country um, and was in caught NYSP, National Youth Sports Program. And they have summer camps in different parts of in Philadelphia. It was different parts of the city. So Temple would have one. Drexel would have one. Penn would have one. Right. And it usually was kind of connected to what neighborhood you was from. Um, as far as what camp that you went to, sometimes even uh, sciences and textiles, which is now Jefferson uh, University, but the sciences and textiles would have one all at Roxborough or whatever have you. But so, yeah, so, you know, and it, again, it's interesting now because it just doesn't happen anymore. But people can imagine the federal government funded kids to be able to learn sports in the summertime for free. Yeah. Like, our country actually provided a vital good for children and families during the summertime. What a time to be alive, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn, I, it's crazy now to think about it like this. But so anyway, so um, we, you know, I was an assistant at the NYSP at Temple that they had a pretty comprehensive NYSP and um, a family friend, Ann Kroger, and um, I don't know if you and I talked about Ann Kroger, but one of the things, she was one of the first uh, female champions at Morgan State, actually. She's a Balt- Balt- Baltimorean, um, played tennis at Morgan State with the whole you know Black tennis culture, and then she became the coach at Haverford College okay. eventually. Um, and so she did this during the summertime or whatever have you. And, um, you know, my father, as your as your father did, my father also um, picked up tennis and was an avid tennis player and and ran with a host of avid tennis players. And um, you know, I think you and my pop talked about this when y'all did the join. But like, people may not know because you might see like Arthur Ashe and then like the Williams sisters, and then it's kind of like these interesting bookends of like black right, people right. in tennis. Right. Versus where it's an entire culture all across the country of tennis players. So um, I played, started playing as a young man and um, around, I guess, you know, fifth grade started to play a lot and play more. And uh, there was an opportunity for me to make some money um, feeding some of the balls to some of the kids in in the front neighborhood who had never played or were learning how to play. And, um, you know, picking up balls, feeding balls, doing those kind of things. And I think about that opportunity in a couple of ways. One, that I was fortunate that there was a relationship that my father had that actually extended social capital, that my first job could be actually doing something that I was interested in. Right. Yeah. And the power of networks to do that, again, wasn't making no money, five dollars or whatever have you. And, but I would be able to be around tennis all day, play, learn from people who were good players, um, and just generally be in that kind of space. So just thinking about the importance of those networks, um, but also, I guess, to, to, to juxtapose the importance of the position you talked about, where it's like maybe somebody family don't know nobody, but mm-hmm. they still can work. Yeah. Right. And the importance of having, again, a federal government that actually creates situations where kids can do something of some interest to teach them a skill they don't have. 
<laughs> Man, <laughs> who would have thunk it? Now, I say that as a person who uh, represented the city in our, you know, workforce, uh, on our workforce board. Shout out to my man, Rob Cherry. Um, so I know that that is still present. I will say that I think for a variety of reasons, it is not as robust as it used to be. And I will make the statement that the summer youth employment world is not as robust as it could or should be. And that was something that I said then, so I'm not talking out of school. Um, it is important, too, to bring up the point, you know, of there's a lot of reasons that, you know, Marion Barry is loved in, in D.C. Um, and a lot of people have challenges with that. And I don't know what to tell you about that. But, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, he, he was who he was. But one of the biggest things that he did that was one of the longest lasting elements of his work was made sure that every kid in D.C. that wanted to work had a job. Now, if you think about that, every kid who could who wanted a job could work. And this is the 80s and early 90s in D.C. And so many people owe their first work experience to Marion Barry from the district which again is probably one of the primary reasons he's so beloved um, as far as people's history and being willing to work through whatever the, some of the other challenges um, that may have happened during his, his reign as mayor. Um, but I, I do think it's important that, you know, my, my opportunity came through a network, but I think it's important to, to, to touch on the importance of when it ain't about a network and you're really democratizing the opportunity to work. And and I think it's, you know, I I think about it too, from the perspective that, you know, there, there is a value when you create an opportunity because even like the other, the other daughter has got, the has got, she's got a job, you know, at a local entertainment facility here but like the bowling and the video games and all that stuff and then she's got this other <laughs> internship that is like um it's like an arts and black thing and you do stuff and i already don't know doing but as long as you can get over there they like pay you know you make a little money for the day but you also do something creative like with other folks her age right and you know, I used to when I used to work in a youth program here, especially to tell the kids like, man, I ain't had no uh, no summer program, no after school program, no nowhere to go. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like they were like, man, you know, sometimes kids be like, man, why can't we do this today? Why we gotta do that? I'm like, man, y'all should be happy you get to do something. <laughs> I used to have the courts. It was like, well, what are we gonna do at the school? Well, I'm gonna go to the house. You know, we can go, you know, all the code language for you gonna go to the house and drop a deuce, and then you gonna come back outside and have fun. You know what I'm saying? You'd be like, <laughs> everybody knows. I'm gonna get it on the record. You know what I'm saying? Like you'd be like, yeah, I gotta go to the house first, cause everybody, you know, sometimes you don't want to do those things at school. So you go to the house, you know. Yeah, cause base. you had that. You had that pizza. You, you had, had that, that pizza. pizza. <laughs> and that yeah, fish yeah. had that giant filet fish sandwich. That filet fish and the shepherd's pie. <laughs> you know I don't know. I don't know who the person that recognized in the federal system that it was easy to get all the stuff you needed for Shepherd's Pie and have every summer camp or every school 
in the country making some variation of that damn shepherd's pie and them Sicilian slices of pizza. Slices, baby. The hot turkey. Hot turkey with the gravy. Hot hot turkey with the gravy on it. Yeah, you knew that was a, you knew that was an accident. Literally, figuratively, an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, you go to the house, do whatever, then it'd be like, yeah, oh, we're going to go to the court. Let you go play basketball, you know, but, but it was no structured support wasn't nowhere structured for, for me to be on the middle of the afternoon and damn for sure wasn't nowhere structured especially once you got over a certain age to be during the summer there wasn't no there was nothing <laughs> and you know that's cool it's not a big deal if you i don't know if you if you got a parent that's sort of home you know what i mean maybe you got maybe one of your parents either, either if both your parents don't work which most people i know both their parents work but you know maybe you had a parent that had an odd shift <laughs> right so like somebody be around the crib and yeah, you know I mean, you wasn't just out there like winging it again. Like, and I, I think about from a, you know, I, what I hear the people like, oh, what what young people lose over the summer from education, you know, you know, and that that impact. But I was thinking about like, yeah, when you got a bunch of, especially like 13, 14, 15, and you just ain't really ain't no ain't nobody ain't nowhere for you to go be and go do something. <laughs> 16, 17, for sure. Like, ain't the way where you can go be engaged in, in the adult world or, or the, the pre-adult world to kind of, as you're, as you're experiencing the developmental reality of like, what, what am I actually going to do with myself and what kind of person am I? Like, am I for myself? Because that's what's happening. And then you just like, nowhere to work, yeah. nowhere to learn, nowhere, no, you know, and so there's a value you make to a those good point. You make a You make a good point there, Just, because... I think there's something, there is something to be said for, we talk about the summer slide, right? And and kind of, or frost, or, you know, depending on, you know, kind of the, the language that's taking place in your relative halls of academia. Um, but if you're having work experiences and building social capital experiences and building relationship experiences, those things should be seen as compliments to the skills and talents that young people should be having, right? Versus, okay, you slid, quote unquote, there was a summer frost or there was a summer slide versus looking at it that these are complimentary things that you did over the summer. You learned how not to be uh, an asshole, Right, you have to work with people. Like you, you learned how to save money. Like, and because we have situations now where kids, you know, young people, not kids, young people are coming out of school with academic awareness and not life skills. Right. So, you know, in a in a in a good world, the summer provides the space to develop some of the skills that maybe you know schools. Um, don't do as much, you know what I mean? So just thinking about it, like versus us focusing so much on academics that we're not actually helping produce full people, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know I mean, so you know, I think it's you know leading to the second thing I wanted to touch on with with, with this you know heat wave and and the reality that sometimes you know structured facility spaces, libraries. Um, if 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 you have school buildings that have air conditioning, that if them places can be activated, you know you get kids that would be outside, you know somewhere sweating bullets, you know get them off get them off the street, get them inside, you know do something fun, um, and and it's every you know every year here especially, you know people play about the the, the 
the, the, the rain and da, da, da. and then eventually the summer comes. And every summer I've been here, I mean, and, and, not, and this is not a in any check on global warming, that's an, an affirmation. <laughs> Our planet's climate is changing, changing. But every summer I've been here, it's been hot. There's a point where somewhere it's like, oh, it's not, you know, and then suddenly, no, it is it's hot. And, and and there's weeks when it's worse than others. Now, these last two years we've had, last two or three years, especially we've had these heat domes. I wasn't, I was in weather. I wasn't here last year when the, when the one, when it got up to like 115, 110, which is super crazy. You know what I'm saying? For here. Uh, I mean, like it's going to be a hundred here more than likely. It's probably hundred spots already today. Um, but through this week and the amount of things that get exposed when you have these severe heat events that, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of us live in buildings that made the assumption that it's never going to be that hot. And therefore it's not actually sufficient, you know, to, to either properly insulate, even if you got some sort of cooling mechanisms or devices, it, it can't quite get the job done because it's just, it's still too hot. Um, not to mention, uh, you know, all the other, you know, realities are like, you know, you you live in the apartment building, but they ain't done no work on that. They do as little work on that building as they possibly can. So no, the insulation on the top floor has not been redone. Ain't nobody checked under the wall. <laughs> insulation that, that was originally built, you know what I'm saying? The electrical uh, system in the building can't really take but so many air conditioning units. So that's why they don't let you get a wall, a window unit. <laughs> Like all of these other factors that come up when, you know, these years and, and it's, you know, quite frankly, something for everybody in the country. And I think folks are recognizing now, wherever you live at some point in the year where you're going to need countermeasures to heat. And I don't know, um, we had a, a, a bill uh, this this season that, 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 that passed to put so get some funding so counties could help, you know what I mean, folks, uh, you know, when, when, when these events happen, you know, but I, you know, I know hopefully it's doing better. I haven't been able to check in with people, but I just wanted to get your thought because I know you, y'all, Northeast, y'all, I think y'all are coming out of one, at least that sounds like this week. Yeah. I mean, New York, New York had it bad. Philadelphia um, had it bad. We, you know, we're in this kind of weird in between, over the mountain and through the woods, you know. Paris at Appalachians type thing in the valley. <laughs> um, but I, I think I, I wanted to touch on one of the points you what you made about like I don't know, maybe this this episode should be called America. America. <laughs> um because one of the things that we don't do is pivot well, meaning to your point about homes, homes were built at a certain time by certain people doing certain things and we'll change everything in the world. We will turn, you know, um, we will turn a old factory into exquisite housing. We will do, we will turn a whole bunch of stuff to be some other stuff, but we will not be able to figure out how to re retrofit people's houses in a way that does not harm them, especially the elderly. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we have not figured out a way to, you know, for the remaining public housing we have to not be sweat boxes, mm. you know, and with this heat stuff, which is also we have to look at. It's not new. Like I was reading the other day about the uh, 
the infamous heat wave in Chicago in like 92. Mm-hmm. And the one that killed so many people, black and brown people and elderly folks in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that was 30, that was 30 years ago. Right. I remember the, the, the heat wave of 95 in Philadelphia and like when it was 105, 106. And, you know, we got mugs is just, you know, and with cities that are built in a dense way, which is one of the reasons London um, and, you know, all of Europe going through their heat wave. Um, again, you know, usually, the, you know, our European uh, friends have figured this stuff out, but London ain't. But because London was built to get as many people in as humanly possible, the housing is not structured and is structured to reflect heat onto each other's houses. So it makes it hotter and hotter, right? And so to your point, whether you're calling it climate change, the, the reality of it is that, you know, cities in particular are getting hotter and the reality in the reality of like our our seniors and folks in their golden years are often in more precarious positions because of senior poverty mm-hmm. um seniors are the largest growing number of folks who are homeless mm-hmm. um as anyone who's aligned with AARP will tell you and it's true though. like this is a real challenge and this and when folks are living and uh, and and kind of shacking up with someone living on somebody's couch, and your older aunt is living on somebody's couch, and they're living on a couch of a crib that can't handle that heat. Just all kind of things that happen to folks, and it really kind of aggravates some of their medical conditions and whatever have you. So, you know, we throw around the term public health crisis a lot, and I think because of the pandemic, we're able to be a little more thoughtful around it. Now the goofiness around monkeypox is a whole nother thing. Uh, you know, I say that for another day, but, um, you know, I just think, you know, the heat, it becomes an important thing. I know in cities have been trying to think of creative ways in Philly. They did, um, they opened up the septa buses and parked them and it let people come mm-hmm. and like get like, on the bus. Come sit on the now, bus. Yeah. Yeah. Come sit on the bus. Now, you know, uh, yeah, some challenges there around emissions, but yeah, you know, um, at some point you got to make some trade offs, yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, you, you know, now some of my mobility brothers and sisters, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying <laughs> might take, take some umbrage with that, but you know, uh, when you're trying to save, you know, people from dying, literally, you might have to have a bus idling a little bit, um, yeah for them to be able to, to, to be safe, you know? But again, I think a lot of these things become broader federal, state, and local public policy decisions, right? Because right. it is about how do we respond to these things. Yeah, and, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a development conversation, there's a, a, a repair, like, you know, there's a, case that can be made in most cities where there would be, it would be a good use of funds to, to I mean, it, it comes up when it gets hot <laughs> to, to go and help, you know, especially some of our seniors um, that are, you know, that especially, you know, it's a part of that, that anti-gentrification conversation and keeping people in their places, also helping some of our seniors, like, get their cribs hooked up so that they can be comfortable 
right? So they can stay cool when, when, because the, the hot is coming, <laughs> right? You know, the outreach component to engaging to, you know, whatever the, you know, because the people sometimes got reasons that they, you know, they are standoffish or not as connected, you know, I mean, in whatever way, you know, so there's a human outreach piece that has to couple <laughs> with stuff like that being effective. And I think that, um, you know, I think we've, we've moved very much as society to this sort of like, the unseen hand lever action way of trying to like, well, well we could do this in the market and we'll, we'll send money out and then the people, people will be motivated. And it's like, maybe sometimes, you know what you need to do? You need to get 500 air conditioners <laughs> on some trucks <laughs> and you need to get some young people and you need to get some folks that need to do something positive or somebody looking to help somebody out and you need to drive around and talk to people and find out who need one on this block, right? And then if they need one, what do they need so they can actually use it? And then if they need it and it's going to mess up they, 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 you know, their budget, because, you know, not to mention how many folks make the trade-off, you know, due to the, the economic cost of things, to go like, yeah, I, I have an air conditioner, but I don't be turning it on because it's going to make my electric bill high, right? That's right. You know what I'm saying? And we'll sit there and try to figure out, you know, how much can I take? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's in... You know, I remember that summer of 95 when it was it was 97 degrees at like midnight. Oh man. <laughs> I was in my room sweating bullets after working. I walked back, I walked to the stove to the, I was working at the Wawa, I walked to the Wawa, I made sandwiches for eight hours straight because it was too damn hot and wasn't nobody cooking. And then I walked home, it was still 96 degrees. At night. Yeah, that yeah, was, it was nice and degrees at midnight, man. man. That was uh and you know, we had the nerd to be wearing Tim's. Right. And long gloves. and shit. <laughs> Thick ass jean shorts. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, like, man, you know what I mean? We have, a, we have, these are things that we can do things to better prepare. I mean, not to mention, you know, you know, the growing canopy in, in, in neighborhoods so that there's trees. You know, those are not things that you can do fast, though. Like, if, if ain't nobody been able to have trees. And now it's like, yo, you know what we need to do? We need trees. It'll cool this neighborhood down. You know, that's a, I mean, tree experts jump in and, and correct me, but I imagine even if you could plant a dope tree, that's a five or six year <laughs> before we got a, a sufficient, you know, tree cover or some shade generated by them trees. I know just a little bit of trees, I know raises the moisture in the air, in the air which can make it feel cooler. But you know what I'm saying? Like this... This this is going to be an issue every year, and if if we not having um start having a conversation, and not, not just a conversation, I guess more of a like, and what what you gonna do so that you know what I'm saying you, 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 we, can, we can protect our, protect our families, and and you know definitely protect our, our elders. You know what I'm saying you, you know, trying to keep it together, and it's it's hot out there, and you, you got infrastructure, you got old cities, you know all that brick. And then even places the other side of the coin, places that uh, you know, like a lot of West Coast people, oh, it's, it's craftsman, no insulation at all. Is <laughs> wood and some stucco stuff, and it's some more wood. Ain't a, you know, some of them houses ain't got no insulation. So if it's hot outside, it's hot in there. If it's cold outside, mm. it's cold in there. Like you know, it's a real thing. So uh, you know, stay stay frosty, popsicles. You know what I'm saying? If you if you have a freezer. You know what I'm saying? Get you some popsicles. You know what I'm saying? Bring the core temperature down. Drink your voice. Take them kids to the pool, but you watch them like a hawk watch chickens, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Take them 
kids to the pool and somebody watch them. And, you know, this is the place where, uh, you know, if my father, Uncle Blue's over here, we talk about, and teach them black kids how to swim. Yeah. <laughs> people, you know. <laughs> So they go and really enjoy the pool, right. not to be not to be running around trying to dunk people and, right. and put people's heads under because they can't swim. Don't you understand? These kids, man. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, a last thing: uh, the World Track Championships uh, were this last week. They took place here in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I was able to. Uh, go down on Saturday and watch the the evening events on Saturday. So I got to see the, the five thousand meter final, the, the javelin, um, the four by one hundred relay finals, the men's and the women's. Uh, it was a couple other things. Shout out to the community from T Gray that was uh, you know activating. You know what I'm saying, trying to raise awareness of the, of the, of the violence that's going on there, trying to get peace for T Gray. They was in the building, you know what I'm saying? And um, it was an interesting event. And, it, you know, I had never been to an international track meet of that nature before. Um, and obviously, I've never been in that close proximity to the, you know, quite possibly, I mean, maybe not the fastest of all, the fastest, fastest. But basically, we could pretty much say at this moment, the fast, some of the fastest human beings that human beings have ever known, like, all there at the same time, you know, running. Um, and uh, so I start with Hayward Field is like a, I think I, I feel like that's the new. I remember the other one, and I don't know if it's the same. No, name. yeah, that's the that's the new that's the new field. So it's, a, it's a it's a track specific. You know what I'm saying? It's all advanced, kind of like a bowl, and it's got shade. Uh, the one I think, which I, I feel like, I guess they just had to do it because it seems like because the, the athletes are shaded, but like the. The one side of the bowl is in the super duper sun the whole the whole time. And I, I didn't know how I found like, man, did they? I guess they couldn't do it the way out of that. But you know, it was pretty, it was pretty funky. You know what I'm saying? And um the the uh thing that was interesting is like it's like you go to an event like that and it's you know it's obviously it's international flavor. So it's lots of people, you know, from other countries. There's folks with different passes folks that you're like are you that you know they may be like friend family to some of the athletes you know what i mean because they just kind of like they seem to be these folks that were like, kind of like moving around whatever there was an open spot they'd hop in and they'd pop out and then um but it's like you know for something that was such a, a international event you would think, I mean, I know people probably was watching the clips, and but the way we engage with track is very like, hey, there's track. It showed up. Oh, man, look how fast they are. All right. Next, you know, next topic. Like, I felt like I was, like, uninformed. Like, I didn't even know who all the, the runners were in the women's 4 by one for sure. I think I knew a couple of the names of the men in the, um, as far as, like, the U.S. team members, like the Jamaica team, uh, with Shelly Ann Frazier was still on there, with a couple others, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you cheat track all this stuff to know these people, but I feel like we should. That people are like superhuman athletes, and, you know, finally be like, "Oh, that's a dude from Canada." All right, dude from Canada, man, go ahead with your bad right. self. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I think, man. So I think about this. There's a couple things around this. One, 
I think it's the goddamn LeBron James effect, man. <laughs> like, so here's what here. So hear me out. All right. There was a time where Carl Lewis, right, was almost a household name. People knew who Jackie Joyner Kersey was. They knew who Flo Joe was in the Olympics, but you knew who these people were. Like they were like towering ideas in the black community. Was my man from um Michael Johnson when mm-hmm. he ran the 400. Yeah. Uh the, the fast ass dude from Canada that uh, ran the one that used to go to war with uh with with Carl Lewis. Ben Johnson. Uh, but, yeah. We had Ben Johnson, right? Because Ben Johnson was from Canada. Michael Johnson was a brother from that ran the 400. Yeah, ran the 400. Um, so I think you just had like this thing. So not so long ago, I guess about 30 years ago now, right? You we could name all them people like that, and they were all part of our name. You can't name one of them now, but you can name 40 people in basketball. Right. <laughs> right. Like the average person knows so many basketball players who didn't know all the basketball players before, right? We don't know no baseball players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know no baseball players. Like you know the football players everyone talks about, and that want to be rappers <laughs> like Antonio <laughs> Brown. Um, you know he performed at like Rolling Loud or some shit this year, but um, <laughs> but anyway. Like, so I, I think it's like one of those things. Then I think also because of what kind of comes with as these sports became, basketball in particular, became all kind of dominant, a lot of the athletes who may have been doing other things, who may have been like just running track, like we don't see them as much anymore. Um, and I think it's a shame because to your point, when you're watching it, um, even a little more so than the Olympics, frankly, I would say that this world championships really just had a high level of like performance, mm. you know, like there was just a really high level of performance this year. Um, then the other thing part I'll say about that is like, and this is a, I'll acknowledge this is a, a Philadelphia bias. But, I mean, you had the different relays, like you had the pin relays, right, where you would see a certain amount of runners. You would see the Jamaican runners. Mm-hmm. And then the Austin relays that mattered back in the day. Then you had, like, the the track championships for HBCUs that mattered, right? Like, you just had, like, this kind of cycle of knowing the sports, knowing the athletes, where now um and also i think they're like good for such a not a short amount of time but they're almost like good from like 18 <laughs> to like 24 like like a homegirl sydney mclaughlin yesterday right mm-hmm. I, you know the fact that she won the 400 hurdles like she did and then turned around and ran her her part of the 400 she ran like a 47.6 in the 4x4 relay mm-hmm after winning the what's the name yesterday and damn they're setting almost a world record so like yeah she's a another type but she's like the she was the oldest person on the four by four relay team and she was 23 yeah. now the thing will be by the time she's 25 i'm sure she's been running since she was seven right <laughs> by the time she's 25 at the at paris we that'll probably be it Right. Like it, it's just like this. It, it happens so quickly. Right. I think 
that um, that's also part of the challenge. One thing I I did want to share too, I think I thought was interesting about Hayward Field and the whole like Nike athlete culture. That as much as we have come to know Nike for simply recycling the same shoe over and over again, <laughs> like you know, it, 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 I don't know if it's a testament to it or a damn shame that my son wants to wear Air Force Ones. And I don't know how to take that. Like, because then we're, we're going back and forth. Like, should you get a high or a low and tell them to stay away from mids just because very few people look good in the Air Force One mids. Um, but like, so on one level, you've got this place where they're constantly just re-putting out the same variety of shoe that has little to no athletic value. Yeah. But then over here, they're totally engaged in like the element, like the extreme senses of human performance. Right, right. Yeah, like futuristic design. That's carbon. Yeah. It's got a spring and it, gets, it has a bump. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's fascinating to see, to think about that and to think about this like Oregon, like Eugene, Oregon being like Runtown USA, yeah. right? Like where everybody's coming to like challenge themselves. Um, but I did, I did, you know, think about what we think about Nike, but then in some ways what Nike actually like invests <laughs> a whole bunch of money in, which is like this human performance, athletic performance kind of space. Yeah. Um, well, I'd have to say it, it was a, uh, I mean, you know, shout out to Fred. Was, Fred was determined to get down there and, and bought tickets and, you know, I couldn't be down there all week, but I could get down there on Saturday. I was trying to get down there yesterday. I just didn't have the energy for the drive. Um, it was amazing, though. It was pretty, you know, it was pretty, it's definitely a sight to see. And, um, yeah, and as fast as they look on TV, <laughs> it's even more like, man, they are, they are humming around that corner. Or, like, you know, the, the you know, even the, I always like the end of the long races, like the 5,000 when it's like, okay, they just go. And then like the last part, because uh, to me, I don't know how you still have extra, extra, extra fast after all that running. Like, I mean, I, I, I understand in a, you know, from a kinesthetic set, I understand how the body works in science, y'all. I'm saying from a, in my mind, that's not where my, uh, my, my <laughs> athletic gifts show up and like, yeah, I'm going to run this race. Then I'm going, I'm going to run for 4,000 meters. And then the last 250, I'm a kick on them. You know what I'm saying? Like right, that ain't right. I'm gonna kill it. <laughs> I'm gonna kick it out on them on that last turn. I'm gonna break. And then they go, you know, and and it says that that one, you know, that they did the you know, they were doing a little team engineering and moving around. And then it was like, okay, oh, they might catch it. And then then it was like as soon as they made the turn, I was right at the at where the turn was before the final uh length to, to close. She made like one little movement, and then it was like, oh no, they ain't gonna catch her. <laughs> She's like, boop, 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 I'm out. Like, like I'm gonna crush y'all. And also, I was gonna get a shot to my man for Grenada that threw the javelin. Cause ain't nobody get close to his numbers. Like, I mean, I guess I don't know if in the world of javelin, two meters ain't far, but it seemed like couldn't none of them dudes get the other two meters that he had on his first throw. And they was, <laughs> they, they, you know, you could see their face like after they throw the javelin. Then to be like, dang, it's 86, not close at all. And then on his last one, he beat his own number. And I said, yeah, that's that's called dominating your, your field. And you go, yeah, only person here can beat me is me. Uh, take that. You know, I appreciated that. So shout out to that guy. Uh, I think his name is uh, Peterson. I want to say what's his last name. Grenada in the house. So, 
real track championships. You get a chance to go, go check out the track. Yeah, man. And I definitely got it on that level. Strong shout out to the the, my man in the pole vault who set a world record on his final jump. You know what I mean? Uh, The dude from Sweden who actually was from Louisiana, but you know, I guess. I guess you know there's a there's a whole thing with you know I do guys there's a whole thing with like global sports and like this idea like the guy from Sweden he's wearing a Swedish flag but he grew up in Louisiana but his mom was Swedish so I guess because she was Swedish he still could claim Swedish you know kind of like residency yeah and so like I mean it was cool that he was Swedish and he represented Sweden but it also was like wait you grew up in Louisiana. Okay, well, you know, okay. Thought you was Cajun, but you know, you know, know me, thought you was some Arcadia, man. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> word up, word up. Right. Oh, I gotta do have one other just public, public, you know, public operation note. So they had, uh, I think there was probably somewhere you had to you could pay to park. You know what I'm saying? And then there was like the neighborhood directly adjacent to Hayward Field. Um, you couldn't. You had to park across the line, or like like across Twenty Fifth Street, which is like four or five blocks up. And I just couldn't keep thinking, like, who was in that meeting that was like, "Yeah, everybody across Twenty Fifth Street, they can eat a dick." You know what I'm saying? If they end up, they can't park in front of their house. That's their problem. Like, who? <laughs> how do we agree that it was all right for them people to not have maybe parking when they got home, but everybody? And it was a lot of space. Like it was, I'm like, you know, so I just thought that was hilarious. I'm sure there was a much deeper conversation and it probably wasn't so uh, crass, but that's how I felt. It was thinking about it. It was like, if I lived across 25th street and it's like, wait, so you saying everybody can park by my house. So why can everybody park by my house? You know what I'm saying? What's up? With, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't see that. Like <laughs> let them park over there. Like you wanted to live over there. You know what I'm saying? Let them park by your house. But anyway, so that was hilarious. I could, I could just imagine being real upset when I found out, like, hey, baby, what's all these cars on the street for? Oh, it's the world track this week. Well, I got to get my truck. Like, like, just, just I got to get my truck. Right? <laughs> I gotta get my stuff out the car. <laughs> I, I got some timber coming in. I'm about to do the mulch. Like, you know, whatever house stuff people is into. And now it's 27 cars parked on your street that ain't normally there. I, mean, I guess people go home at night or they go to the Airbnbs, but, uh, you know, just a public conversation note, just, you know, when there's an event, cars and the people got to go somewhere. So, Well, I mean, and I'll just say this quickly. That's one of the challenges is like, where do you do things? And, you know, if you do things in Eugene, Oregon, either you create a huge parking lot or someone's going to invade a neighborhood. And well, that's the reality of density. And you know, America, we ain't, you know, America, we ain't really figured out how to how to get good Amtrak to places and then people could just make their next move. Right. You know, there's a whole movement trying to do to get high speed rail, you know, basically from the lower Willamette Valley, like Eugene up to Portland, Portland to Seattle. And it would be it would have been fantastic if I could have hopped on a 30-minute train yesterday afternoon. You know, went and enjoyed the, the meat and hopped back on the train and took a 30 minute ride back. I totally did it, Eugene. I'd spent my money too. I'd ate some food, but you know, yeah, can't have nice things in America, unfortunately. Well, that's the challenge. Like, you know, we, we, we assume that people won't get on trains and stuff and high speed rail, but interesting thing happens once you leave America. People do. And even more than that, they do in, in the Northeastern Corridor. 
It's nothing for people to get on a train from New York to D.C. every day. Yep. Right? Like, so, you know, it's something to think about. There's a chicken and egg element of uh, public policy sometimes where you be like people don't use the thing, but they don't use the thing because you don't give them the thing to use. Sometimes you have to set the parade, you have to set the, the precedent to give people a thing to use so then they can use the thing and see if they use it. So anyway. Absolutely. All right. Well, I mean, that's all I had. You know what I'm saying? It's always it's all to the good. America. America. I mean, stay cool out there, man. Get a popsicle or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. All right. That that fan keep blowing the hot air too. Right. There was blowing hot air around the room. Yeah, it's like a rotisserie cool. chicken right now, just, just browning you up. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I say peace. Peace. Why can't I find the thing until it stop recording? Oh, because it's over there. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. As I've said once and once again, uh, I do my best to get these out regularly, and I, I really, 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 really mean it. Very soon, they'll be overflowing with regular, uh, you know, sessions and conversations, some like the Good Brothers, some in other forms. It's all coming. I'm not bullshitting. Um, but in any event, if you want to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is listen to the podcast. Then please go wherever you listen, rate, subscribe, share pass it to a friend let somebody else listen um and if this is useful or bring something good to you you know pass it on to somebody else so maybe it can bring something to them uh, other ways you can support is search up justice Raji on patreon and become a patron and uh give ongoing support to uh you know, various creative expressions and endeavors um i appreciate you for listening and please please be safe you know one love to everybody out there uh running fast you know what i'm saying and working hard even for folks you know running slow to moderate or just trotting the best they can i appreciate you and say safe peace